Listeners, take note, the holiday's just around the corner, and we here at Vela News and Velo Press have some great stocking stuffers under the tree. I just give to a loved one for no reason whatsoever type gifts that uh, that you can give to that cyclist or cycling fan in your life. Uh, right now, you can give a subscription to Velo News. That is a nine-issue, 12-month subscription to Velo News and get a free Velo Press book to give to that person as well, head to velopress.com, subscribe to Velo News, and then pick your choice of Velo Press book. We got uh, Leonard Zinn in The Art of Mountain Bike Maintenance, Alan Lim's gorgeous cookbook, Feed Zone, and always uh, there's the Cyclist Training Diary from Joe Friel, among other cycling books to give to your uh, loved one out there. Saves you up to 55% on a $100 value. And then mark your calendar uh, next Monday. That is a week from when we are recording this today, December 2nd, Cyber Monday, VeloPress is going to have a 72-hour sale. All books will be 33% off. You can give the thoughtful gift of cycling books to that loved one in your life. Again, check out VeloPress.com for these cool deals and just have a great holiday. Be safe, ride your bike, and of course, read, 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 read about cycling. Okay, let's get on with the podcast. Welcome back to the Velo News Podcast. Fred Dreyer here, coming to you a chilly Monday here at the world headquarters of Velo News in Boulder, Colorado. Boulder uh, started this morning a little warm. Temperature's falling. It's about to snow. You can tell all the cute doggies are wearing their doggy sweaters. All of the fancy Boulder people are walking around in their performance fleece. And uh, those like puffy vests that you see tech dudes wearing. See a lot of that around Boulder today. Uh, I am psyched. We're coming to you a little early in the week because of of the holiday. Um, and I have a guest, I wouldn't say guest co-host on the Velo News podcast today. If you have read VeloNews.com this year, you've probably read some of her work. Her name's Betsy Welch. We sent her to a bunch of gravel, mountain bike, all sorts of cool events throughout the year. Betsy, hello. Welcome to the Velo News podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, okay. That's good. Good intro. We like it. That's good. We're liking, we're liking it here. Betsy, um, First, before we get started on all this long, fun discussion about gravel and mountain biking and women's cycling, um, what's your background in cycling? What type, like, what type of experiences do you bring to the cycling game? I bring lots and lots and lots of solitary miles of cycling. Um, I guess I started riding just as a way to sort of like not be bored and, and go out and poke around in the world. And, uh, you know, it started as a bored high schooler and then kind of carried on, um, through college. And then when I moved to Colorado, of course, cycling can kind of take on a whole new, I don't know, trajectory when you're around people who do it professionally or who, um, race, but really it was always a way to just have an adventure, like go somewhere new or see something different. Um, and I didn't really start racing until very, very recently. Yeah. And I like that story because a lot of times when we're talking to people in the scene and, you know, people who are participating in a lot of these races, they're like, oh, I was, you know, a college racer, road racer, really passionate about racing and, and competing and, you know, getting in there and banging elbows. And that's not your story. You're like a, you know, lifelong cyclist or a longtime cyclist, recreational cyclist. But there was something about gravel races 
endurance mountain bike races, some of these long mass participant events that you hear us talking about that like that grabbed a hold of your imagination. Um, what was it? Like, why did you want to go from not being a bike racer to all of a sudden signing up for things like the Dirty Kanza and Trans-Pyrenees and some of these big, long um, off-road events? I think a lot of it was because I was already doing that kind of thing. I was just never doing it on a clock or I was never doing it with a bunch of other people. But, you know, it wasn't odd for me to go out and ride a hundred miles of dirt just for fun or to go bike packing, which are like huge mileage, long, long days in the saddle. And, you know, there, there was something a little more intriguing about gravel because it seemed less, um, I don't know, exclusive or that, that maybe if there was any kind of race I could do, like maybe this was the one, cause this was the kind of riding that I, that I just love to do for fun. What was your first gravel race? It was the Land Run 100 in March of this year. I love this story, too. So not only have you been going to these gravel races and doing them, like this is your first year of racing. So tell us about the Land Run. Like, <laughs> like what, you know, you show up to this gravel race. You've probably read something or heard something about it. Like, what's the what's your initial takeaway from just the vibe at this event? I I mean, I was just like smiling the whole time and you know you leave you're you're like in Oklahoma and you're thinking man maybe like maybe I could live in Stillwater everyone here is so nice they they let us camp on the courthouse lawn like they have little popsicle sticks with our name like for our campsite I mean it's it's a far cry from Boulder in a lot of ways but it was it was so welcoming um but it was also like you know there were some pros there and there were people there that were really wanting to go fast. And then, you know, there were people there that that had never done a bike ride or had like, you know, lost 100 pounds in the last year or were riding for like a fallen friend. Um, and it was a great party. And of course, Bobby Wintle is just like, I mean, he hugs you with all his might when you cross the finish line. Um, it was a great, a great intro to the sport. And it's not... It, it was also like a hard ride, you know, it's still a hundred miles. It's, it's hilly. Fortunately, the weather was great, but the weather can be atrocious too. So, um, somehow these events like strike this balance of a really tough physical feat and also a really fun scene. When I think back to my own experiences as a bike racer, especially in some of the early races that I signed up for, um, there's definitely like the intimidation factor. And the nervous factor, like the the intimidation factor of looking around at other people on the start line, like, oh, they look pretty fit. And then you look at their bike setup and they're like, that looks super pro or their kit. And they're like, that looks so cool. And I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I'm a little intimidated. What am I going to do? Um, and just sort of like feeling a little out of place on the start line of like a road bike race. Um, I mean, was there anything like that on the start line? Of land run, or are you looking around and just being like, yeah, these people are totally just like me? <laughs> I think there is a little of that. And of course, there's as much of that as the individual like puts out there. Um, I tend to sort of not think that I should be up at the front and then start a little further back. But then I'm like, oh, wait, maybe I should have started at the front. So, yeah, there's definitely a little a little headiness. And then, you know, it's always a little bunched up and tight. And that was something that I... I learned a lot about doing races is how to ride really close to people and um, 
I continue to work on that. But um, I think the overall vibe is less like intense sort of like quiet aggression at the start and more um, let hoots and hollers and like we're out here to have fun and we're all going to have a big day on the bike. I remember in one of my early collegiate races when, yeah, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I like went around a turn wrong and then got into the <laughs> group or something like that. And some guy like reached out and like pushed on me or touch, you know, he like touched me. He's like, Hey, you know, and like, like chided me, you know, and like that, that dynamic, you know, would follow me as I do local group rides and stuff like that. The whole, like getting scolded by the, <laughs> like getting scolded by the person who knows more than you about the situation and like maybe has a little bit more experience and them sort of, yeah. Okay. Maybe it's for safety, but it's also just sort of being a jerk type of thing. And I mean, this is, you know, your first season of being in these gravel rides and pack riding and everything like that. I mean, did you have any experiences like that of someone like well, being like, hey, dum-dum? Yeah, and then <laughs> throw on top of it that I'm a girl, Fred. So, you know, it's like if you get pushed along, you know, it's it's, it's a totally different thing if it happens to me. Um, and I, I honestly, I I don't want to name names, but certain races have more of that vibe um it it also depends on sort of where i was in the pack so yeah. the, the the closer to the front you know the more sort of people are a little little aggro um but the other thing too is like you kind of a lot of these events are far away so you have to drive so you kind of want to spend a long weekend so you it's almost like you you see people all weekend long and then it's kind of harder to be a jerk out there mm -hmm. cuz these are people you've camped beside or you you know you stood by in the beer line um and I do think too that in its sort of I guess late infancy um gravel I think there's a little bit of like this um unsaid rule that people are still trying to keep it cool. So, um, I mean, it's, it's mostly authentic, but I do think there's a little bit of people trying to like rein in the real racy attitude. Yeah. That was a dynamic that I was keyed into in 2017 when we first wrote about it. And then 2018 when I was at the dirty Kansas and, and, you know, I'd ask some of these gravel traditionalists and purists questions about, hey, you know, this this thing's getting more popular and Dirty Kanza is this phenomenon and everyone around the country wants to participate in it. And there's all this growing enthusiasm. How are you going to try and help? Are you, how does gravel maintain its laid back vibe and it's more sort of, you know, it's cool. Hey, man, it's all right vibe when it gets more competitive. And she had the shark. It was the rules for gravel. Mm -hmm. And it was an acronym that spelled out shark. And I can't remember it right now. But it was basically don't be a jerk. Yeah. You know, there's like the Breck Epics. Don't be a jerk. Yeah. Type thing. And um I, th I think it's possible. I think it's more than possible. Um, especially like you said, you know, you're, as, you're a newcomer coming in and you could tell that people are like, Hey, you know, let's like, let's, let's keep it mellow. Yeah. Um, so the next event, well, the first event that we sent you to was the dirty Kanza and it was like, and you were like, Hey, I, you know, <laughs> I, uh, kind of want to do this 200 mile gravel event. Never really done anything. It's my first season of racing. <laughs> Can I go out there and, and do it and write about it? And, um, of course the answer was yes. <laughs> um, what are your memories and thoughts from that weekend there? I sent you out there with some pretty specific stories to chase, not just your own experience there, but also, um, writing about what the female experience is like at Dirty Kanza. 
Yeah, you did. And to be honest, I was sort of like, ugh, like, really? I have to write about, like, being a woman? This is not my my favorite angle for which to approach things. Um, plus, like, oh, my God, I'm doing a 200-mile gravel race. Like, do I really have to think about this? Um, and it's funny because I, in the few, you know, races that I'd done or events or biking things, like, you know, the Trans-Pyrenees, I mean, I, I think I was one of 12 women out of 300 people. And I, I noticed it, but like, I don't know, I didn't really notice it enough to make a big deal out of it. So going to DK, thinking about, I have to think about being a woman here, I was sort of like, meh. But it turned out to be a really cool exercise and one that like really inspired the conversations I had with people and gave me a lot to think about over 200 miles. You know, it's that was the first race, so it was a little bit, of like a taking in the whole scene. Um, and I, I felt like, okay, there's, you know, there's a decent amount of women here. Um, but then, you know, there's a backstory to it about registration and, and how you get in if you're a woman and then reopening registration um, once it was full to women and, and then getting to meet Christy Mon and what it's like having a woman as part of the, the promotional team. Um, so, I, I actually ended up with, you know, an assignment that I didn't really like. I ended up really enjoying it. And it kind of it kind of inspired my entire summer of racing, actually. It, it became hard for me then not to think about the woman's experience and to really seek out women and talk to them. And, and also to ask men, too, like what they thought um, about women's participation. And, um, and then, of course, it was just fun to – I think I said something snarky and – whatever I wrote for, for Vela News about just, you know, guys sometimes like to say good job or kiddo or like cutie or I don't know, little lady. I think that's what I got called. And Gross. I, <laughs> right. Um, you know, everyone wants to be told good job, but then it's like little lady, come on. So um, there's a lot to play with. Um, when you think about writing about and reporting on the women's experience. Now, the Dirty Cans, it had its it, it had a very specific like women's event, like a women's and cycling event. Right. What were some of the things being talked about at that event? Um, so that was cool. It's called Women Ride the World. And it was sort of like a um, like kind of like a round table. And there were a handful of women from the industry um, and you, and it was at the Granada theater and it was open to anyone and you could come cycle through these stations and talk about, you know, women in the industry or um, I think Amy charity led one on, on training, like what's training like um, Lael Wilcox was there to talk about more adventure riding and touring. Um, Jen Dice from people for bikes was there. Um, so, Really cool showing of of women who um, have been in the cycling industry, who are psyched to be participating in this type of thing. Um, and I think a really positive response from participants. I mean, the theater was full. Um, and really great questions from the audience, too. Like, you can tell that women are interested in racing, riding bikes, touring, all of these things, like from so many different angles. I mean, it's not just like, I want to do the Dirty Kansas. It's like, well, what do you take when you go on a 10-day bike tour? Or how could I get a job at, at Lifetime? I mean, really diverse interests from the women at that panel. Something that I think about with Dirty Kansas and the same thing with Land Run, it's like, it's this 
giant intimidating physical challenge. Um, and here in, you know, in the cycling industry, which I've been in and out of for the last almost 20 years, there's always been this question of like, how do you get more women involved in cycling? And like, what are the keys to get like more women involved in racing and more, you know, participants, whatever. And it's like, here's this just challenge that is so intimidating to anyone, like male, female, black, white, green, Martian, you know, like it's 200 miles. It's so hard. And yet it seems to be succeeding um, with um, a certain group of female cyclists in a way that I haven't seen other uh, more traditional races do or that I've seen them struggle with at the very least with like with road racing. Um, look, there's great successful stories out there of road racing really appealing to um, female cyclists and creating pathways to get more women into the sport. But it seems like Dirty Kanza is doing so um, y- despite the fact that it's like, I mean, it's just hard for anyone. And so I guess that's a p- question for you, which is like, why do you, what do you think it is about that event that, um, why is it doing a good job of, of, of appealing to female cyclists? I think that be- because it's such a huge distance, it, it does kind of level the playing field in a weird way. Um, it's, it's hard for everyone. I mean, everyone is is freaked out going into the DK, you know, whether you're world tour pro or you're me or someone with way less experience than me. So there's some solidarity in that, which I think is helpful. Um, I also think that gravel is nice in that it's not really technical. So you don't have like the technical aspect of mountain biking, which is intimidating. And you don't have sort of the tactical technical pieces from road racing and um you you're just kind of out there and i think that is less intimidating to people than you know a shorter faster race where you're bunched up or um or like a super technical mountain bike race um and i do think that the gravel community is um less intimidating to women um it's sort of feels more like a like a a tribe you know um not and and one that's not so exclusive one that really sort of still has the doors open and also you know it's really not about if you win right right because who's really gonna like throttle themselves over 200 miles you're just you're you're racing to finish was there any catharsis? You know, when I was there in 2018 talking to people on the finish line, you know, there's all this emotion and a ton of positive emotion, negative emotion, and people through all these different states of exhaustion. And definitely more than a few people were were going through some, some stuff, you know, whether it was remembering a lost loved one or just, you know, big, giant life thoughts out there. Um, did you... Did you uh, have anything like that? <laughs> Enjoy any experiences like that? I was thinking about writing this article the whole time. All right. <laughs> no. I, uh, like I said, I just, I love riding my bike all day. I love talking to people on bike rides. I love stopping in small towns. I love filling up at farmers' hoses, you know. Um, so I, my mood was pretty light. I mean, was it hard? Yeah, it was it was really hard. Um, but it's it's the vibe is so good. I mean, the vibe was so good. And I met so many people and the sense of solidarity and like, wow, we came out. We all came out to Kansas and like did this crazy ride. Um, it's sort of the ride as a 
as a microcosm of life. Like you go through a million experiences out there and at the end of the day, it's just like you had a great day in the life. No, you are uh, you are an RN. You're a resident. You're a nurse. I am. Um, you work in the healthcare uh, field. I mean, you know, you're seeing these people in various states of exhaustion, dehydration, muscle cramps, enduring pain, like, you know, probably some people who look really good and other people who don't look so good out there as an, as an RN, are you like <laughs> wanting to like jump off your bike and say, you know, please stop pushing yourself, drink more fluids. Like, let me hook you up to an IV, <laughs> any like life-saving, uh, instincts kick in. I think people are so prepared for like this horrific day that they probably do a pretty good job of preparing, like maybe over preparing. Um, I was one of the only people who didn't have a crew. Like you have to have a crew at DK. And if you don't bring your own, you can pay for a service to like bring your, your snacks and bottles, but it's sold out. So I had to buy a camelback and, uh, and go alone, which is probably the real, the real nurse in me is like, I don't, I don't need any help. I can, I can do this alone. But, um, ideally you, you have some people helping you out with snacks and water and Cokes and things. But no, I, I mean, really what you see the most of is lots of flat tires. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, not a lot of casualties. Not a, they need a nurse for their bike. <laughs> uh, before we move on from DK, again, in the piece you wrote, I, I thought it was great how you honed in on the um, words of encouragement you got out on the road, but how like they were, you know, they were very gendered and they were almost a little demeaning. You know, the, hey, sister, you're looking great. Um what advice would you have, would you give to um, male cyclists out there who, you know, you're out there and you're suffering and you see a strong female cyclist like Betsy Welch <laughs> blast by you because it's at mile 150 and you're just getting warmed up. Um, what advice would you have for someone out there who wants to give some words of encouragement, but you don't want to sound like a total doofus? Yeah, I mean, I think you you mentioned it, the gendered terms, the sister, the little lady, the, you know, chica, I don't know. I mean, it's it's that's a tricky one. And I actually thought a lot about that at the DK because, you know, it's like you're a badass and then good job, little lady. And what do I want to hear? And I think, you know, it feels good to hear like you're badass or hell yeah or go. Um just as a human, but sure, like, there are way less of us girls out here, and uh, I don't know, maybe it does take some sort of courage to show up at these things as a woman, but but maybe it doesn't. So I think just, uh, just when you see someone, like, crushing it, tell them they're crushing it. We talked after your next race, which was Leadville. I say you know, Leadville, too. And, you know, I've... I haven't done either of these ones. I've been at the finish line for both and people are tired and exhausted and whatever. And I felt, I've always felt like, you know, DK is such a harder challenge, 200 miles. You told me Leadville was harder. Why is that? Leadville was harder for me for a few reasons. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's racier. I mean, it's like people really come to Leadville to like, get that belt buckle, you know? So it's at DK, it's like, I just want to finish at Leadville. People have some pretty, um, pretty specific goals. I think, um, Leadville has a reputation as well. That sort of precedes it of, um, very sort of serious men, uh, racing. 
Um, Leadville's at altitude, of course. That's an obvious one. Um, but the other thing about Leadville, too, is I kind of wanted to see how I could do. I, I had less of that, like, just survival <clears throat> mentality from DK and more of, like, I've ridden out here, like, I'm from Colorado. I this is mostly dirt roads. Like I want to see what I can do. It's a little later in the season, um, so I I worked harder. Um, I think I worked harder at Leadville uh, m- mentally for sure. Was it more fun? <sighs> hmm. <laughs> I don't think it was more fun, but it wasn't not fun. Um, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. It, it was fun to like, kind of, you know, like I've, like we've talked about, I, I don't come from a racing background. Honestly, a couple years ago, if you told me I'd be doing bike races, I'd be like, no, I, I don't race. I just love to ride my bike. Um, so it's been fun to kind of like put on the racing cap and, and see what that feels like and, and go fast. Um, so Leadville was, it was a little bit harder in that way. How about the level of suffering, the degree of suffering? Equal, greater, or lesser? <sighs> Hindsight's twenty twenty, but I think it was greater suffering. Mm. I mean, the climbs are longer. It's harder to breathe. Um, yeah, I think it was harder and there's less like chatting <laughs> i mean in dk you're kind of like you see someone out there and you're like hey let's talk let's hang out for a while and at leadville um there's a little more game face yeah definitely interesting <laughs> um because you know i also sent you to the uh, epic rides event in bentonville arkansas and that's definitely a race i mean it's shorter it's pretty intense um you know you talk to people who participate in the epic rides and yeah it's about the party and about the fun weekend but there is a backcountry race and people are wanting to win and do well in it um did you find a similar vibe there as you saw in uh, leadville Not so much. I mean, the Epic the epic Rides was a really cool experience for me because I hadn't been to one. And the fact that they have the backcountry race the Saturday and then the pro race the Sunday um, is, is a cool format. So um, it's not to say that there's not serious and seriously talented people in the, in the amateur race, but um, you do have a little less of like the intense um, front of the pack vibe. Um, the other thing about Epic is I'd never been to Bentonville. So I was very sort of like looking around at like, wow, I'm on these storied trails and this is so cool. And, you know, the people around me are from, you know, they're, they're not all from Colorado. They're from Arkansas and Missouri and Texas. Um, but definitely a really high like caliber of, of racing too. Just for me, it was about the trails were really different. I, you know, had traveled, gotten in late, um, just like trying to take it, take it all in. And that uh, assignment produced what I thought was another great story, which was about this um, cycling group in Bentonville. It's a women's cycling group that has a lot of success about getting women involved in mountain biking. And again, you know, something that the industry is always trying to focus in on is like, oh, what's the secret? You know, how do you get more women involved in racing and riding and to love cycling? And, you know, the the participation numbers are always lopsided in men's favor. And um, what did you learn from this group about some of the some of the strategies they employ to get women involved in cycling? What is it that they're doing that is working? This group, the Women of Oz, um, 
have been wildly successful and they have they they haven't even turned a year old yet um but they just sort of realized that they were groups of friends riding and that then they'd see other groups of friends riding and like hey why not why not create a group where all of us can come together and ride and um it'll be very social and it'll be incredibly inclusive like come one come all um but they're smart because it's not like come one, come all. And if you're a never ever, and if you've raced, we're all going to ride together. They have their group rides all have like, I, I don't know, upwards of five um, skill levels. They have clinics, skill clinics for, for varying levels. Um, and they really just, they, they're so focused on inclusivity, um, but in a really realistic way that just acknowledges that. Women are at different places on the bike. They're at different places in life. They have different amounts of time to commit to learning to ride or riding. Um, but everyone is welcome at these Women of Oz events. Yeah, and I think it's really important to to drill down into dig into that, to realize that it's not like, oh, if you just start a group, like it's going to succeed. Oh, if we just start a women's cycling club, we're going to all of a sudden get more people signing up for it. It's like there's real specifics about that. Different skill levels, inclusivity, like having trails to be able to like progress from one step to the next. I know when I was getting involved in mountain biking, that's something that I struggled with, which is that I felt like in the area that I was at, it was either like riding on dirt roads or riding stuff that was <laughs> super gnarly. And so it, it really kept me from progressing along those lines. And then, you know, after I'd been mountain biking for a, for a couple of years, I went up to, um, British Columbia to do the, the BC bike race. And you see these communities where there's so many, I mean, there's crazy gnarly trails that the communities end up getting known for, but there's all of these, like, you know, like the ski turn, like the green, blue, yeah double blue, triple blue, you know, these, these ways to progress you up the ranks and there's infrastructure to help you get past the common hurdles that greet every mountain biker, the crash, the injury, the like race where you sucked the, you know, the, all these different things that might steer some or chase someone away from the sport. And I think that in reading your story, it seemed like the community element of it with this Women of Oz group was what helped, you know, women progress and like, yeah, you're going to crash, but like, you're going to have all these other women there who like are in a really laid back, like low pressure environment. So who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody cares if you're a green rider or a black rider, like we're all meeting at the same bar afterwards and, and there's, there's riding for all of us. So the last race that you went to the most recent race and um, you're going to have a story on this in our uh, dirt gravel issue coming up earlier in 20 early in 2020 you went to the spirit world 100 which is a new gravel race down in um, southern arizona and i mean it sounds like a really innovative different event tell me about this race what was it all about well if you haven't been to the spirit world i don't know if you'll understand but i'll try <laughs> um, this is a super cool um, race weekend put on by um, some friends who used to be in Colorado and now in Tucson, uh, Heidi Rents and Xander Alt. And they run uh, the cyclist menu, um, some really nice gravel and road camps all over the world with great locally sourced food and drink and awesome riding. So they have been riding down in this borderlands area, which is right above the Mexico border near Nogales. And this is their favorite place to ride. And they just thought we want to share this place. Like we've, we've, 
we know we can put on a great event here. We know the riding's great. Um, there's there's wineries nearby. There's tons of um, local food grown. So they kind of um, invited, invited not just invited, but opened up this event pretty pretty small for the first year, um, and invited us all down to Patagonia, Arizona, um, and created this amazing weekend of of food and um, hanging out and camping and riding all sort of under under the vibe of like we're in the spirit world we're sort of in this like the physical location is is really fascinating and and unique and sort of mythical um there's all these birds that migrate through this area and butterflies and hummingbirds and um and then and then we're going to also incorporate these things that we love, which are the food of the region, the wine of the region. Um, their friends from Tucson who roast coffee came down. Um, so it was really a celebration of this place and then also of people who love bikes, like people from all different bike backgrounds and all disciplines kind of coming together to do a big old gravel ride. So distance, how, how long was it? It was 100 miles. Was it hard? It was really hard. Like, was it a race or was it like, or were people like, you know, it was a more conversational pace? You know, I think they said it when they were putting it together. Like, we kind of wanted to invite all our friends down to do a ride. But when you get 100 people together, yeah. like, it's going to turn into a race. Um, and it was a race. Um, I think, you know, people had their own intentions for the day. Um, the aid stations were pretty incredibly stocked. Um, there was a bar at Mile 90 with Mexican Coke and tequila and and I really do think like all 150 people stopped there. So it was that type of, of a day where people were in it to have a good ride and some people wanted to ride fast, but everyone really wanted to enjoy the experience too. And when you look at the components that have gone into some of these other successful gravel events and mountain bike events that you've been to, that have been around a little bit longer, you know, um, when you look at this new event, this first year trying something new out, do you think it has what it takes to become, does it, does it have those components you think to become a successful year in year out event? Absolutely. I think it has all the components and then it has more for people who maybe want a little something more. People who do want to sit together at a, at a family style meal the day before a race um, or people who do want to travel somewhere and maybe spend a little time in the town. Um, but, it, you know, there's a, a, sh a shakeout ride. There's a, a post ride. I mean, there's there's also everything that I think I experienced at other gravel races you know you could stay in a hotel or you could camp you could go sing karaoke at the bar or you could go to bed really early so um definitely has has all the bits and pieces and in my opinion um a lot more yeah and i mean when when you get down to it and think about why these gravel events are gaining momentum and capturing people's imaginations you start to realize that okay yeah dirty kanza it's 200 miles it's about the challenge it's about pushing yourself and training and the gear and all this stuff but then you start to realize wait it's a whole weekend there's events you're meeting people there's fun stuff to do you can take it seriously and race or you can go drink tequila and do karaoke <laughs> and and there's 
sort of elements at that of uh, elements like that at a lot of these different events. And so when I have people ask me all the time, oh, you know, gravel is just a fad. And like, why do you think these gravel events are succeeding right now? And, you know, where other you know road races don't. And, and I don't know if it's a one succeeding and one's failing, but you do sort of see some of these similar beats at these gravel events, which is like, there's a reason to get there early. There's a reason to stay a day extra. And like the actual race is just sort of part of the overall experience, right? That's that's totally how I feel. And it often it kind of produces a dilemma for me because I want to do everything. I want to go to all the stuff and I want to, um, you know, be at the Wagon Wheel Saloon the night before. But I kind of want to go fast, too, um, which is new for me. Um, the other thing that I think these events at least have had in common for me this year is that all the people that I've met, um, everyone just truly seems to love riding bikes. And I know that, I mean, I assume, I would assume that all cyclists love riding bikes, whether you're, you know, the top tier pro to the, to the bike park junkie. But it seems like gravel has attracted people who've done a lot of different disciplines. They've come from road, they've come from mountain biking. And it's, it's sort of just like, it feels like a homecoming in a way of people who are just like, we just love to ride our bikes. And now there's this environment that's both physically sort of safer because you're not on the road. And it, it may be a little bit spiritually safer where it's not as edgy, cutthroat, competitive, unless, unless you really make it. I felt that vibe, you know, from the DK and all its pomp and circumstance to the spirit world of, of people who really just love being out under the, the big sky riding bikes. Well, Betsy, you did great for, uh, work for us this year, and I uh, implore all the readers to go back and read Betsy's coverage of gravel and mountain biking this year on villanews.com. And uh, well, we're, we're going to have you back. You're going to come uh, visit us. This is your first of many Velo News podcasts, and you have passed with flying Woo. colors, much like you passed Dirty Kanza and Leadville, Land Run, Steamboat. We didn't even get into that event with, uh, with flying colors. Thanks again, Betsy. Thank you. Thank you. 